Hold Dang, on, dude, you Tingleheimer, yeah. man. Golly. Is that working? Can you hear me? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> dude, that's a big difference. It is night dude. and day. Holler yeah. at your boy. I'm the techno <laughs> fiend. Dude, right. I mean, you still. You Do still not test like, these besties. Do not still, test them. You, tell, right you now, sound terrible. Right now. Do I sound terrible? Oh, that's just, well, your, that's just your voice. Yeah, oh. your, it sounds awful. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Thanks, Padre. No problem. Hey, how was Dallas, man? Dallas was great. It started off a little rocky. I've, I, I didn't tell you guys this story yet, did I? I haven't no. mm -mm. talked to either of you since I've been back. Nope. I did get your really nice note in the mail, though. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm glad yeah. you like that. It was for the listeners. He wrote me a note, and it said, you, just the letter U, and then suck, S-U-K. And he sent it to me here That's, at the seminary. But that wasn't so, the only thing in there. There was a check in there, too. A donation to the Cameroon Fund, which yeah. we appreciate. That's yeah. unimportant. Mm -hmm. That's a side note. I mm -hmm. just needed to wrap the check in something so that it wasn't just a bare check in an envelope. So oh. Oh. <clears throat> naturally. Yep. Well, when I was at Father Connor's parish, he got a, a little thing in the mail from Father Nick Blaha. <clears throat> I can't remember exactly what it was, like some headphones or something. And then the note that came along with it. Oh, he wrapped it in tissue. Yeah, there was all just. A bunch of, he just shoved a bunch of. Did yeah, you get Kleenex beats by Dre? I don't think they were beats. No, they weren't beats by Dre. Oh, okay. Anyway, but then continue. the note said, "Do you realize how easy it would have been for me to put glitter in here?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, man, that really could have ruined your day. <laughs> glitter is impossible to get off. Yeah. So Dallas was good. It. Uh, so. It was a big family thing where me and my parents and my brother and sister were all going to fly down to be with my brother and his family over Thanksgiving. And, you know, my mom's having this surgery, which pray for her. It's tomorrow. She's yeah, going in, she's yep, going in sure. this afternoon. And she'll find out what time it's at. But, you know, we knew this was coming with my mom and everything's probably going to be fine, but you're still worried. And um, here's this big holiday and we're all planning on going down there and be with the grandkids and yada, yada, yada. So it was a big, exciting time. But my flight, I was going to go down there early. Like I found a, a cheaper flight at five in the morning out of O'Hare. So that's already the airport that's farther away from where I am. And it's super early in the morning. So I get everything packed up, everything set up. So all I have to do is like put my shoes on and get in the car in the morning. And I set my alarm for two in the morning thinking... Okay, maybe it takes generously take an hour to get there, even though it probably would take less uh, with no traffic at two in the morning. And then I get there two hours before the flight, which is what they recommend for the Wednesday before Thanksgiving because it's the biggest travel day of the year, as you know. So I get I lay down at like 11. And I figure I'll sleep the rest on the plane. I'm just going to lay down for a couple hours here and get in the car and go. So I'm nervous right now. Yeah. As yeah. you're telling this story, I'm uh, nervous. Um, I overslept a little bit. I, I slept right. through my alarm. Ooh. So uh, how late do you think it was when I woke up? 
I'm going to say, honestly, initially I was going to think six. You're closer than you may think. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but right, was not quite <laughs> late enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you sleep through a two o'clock alarm, it's not like you're going to wake up any time before <laughs> eight. <laughs> you know? True. Oh, 6.30. I woke oh. up. Dang it, dude. I was going to say like 3.30. That would have been that would have been annoying. Yep. But 6:30 was like full despair. That's crisis mode, dude. I was in a crisis. Whoa. It was like one of these feelings where you think I I did it. I ruined everything. I ruined Thanksgiving. <laughs> Um, Sorry to laugh at your misery, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, I had it coming to me. But so what I do is uh, I say some swears and <laughs> I get up and my first thought was I have to <laughs> have to somehow exculpate myself. Like, even though it, was, it did no good, I immediately called my dad, who was on the way to the airport himself for his much later flight. <laughs> And he's with my mom and my brother and my sister. And I was like, Dad, I slept through my flight. He's like, what? I slept through it. He's like, oh. And then I hear my mom. <laughs> I hear my mom from the passenger seat say, what What happened? What happened? And then I'm just like, oh, no. I felt like an inch tall. Yeah. Okay. So he's. I was like, what do I do? You know. And he said, just call the airline. And Okay. But at this point, I'm like, I can't, I'm not supposed to be where I am right now in this house. I'm supposed to be in an airplane over Missouri right now. And so there was something in me like I couldn't just, I, I called the airline and they give you this operator and stuff. And I'm like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I need to be where the airplanes are so that I can get on one. If there is one open seat, I'll pay $1,000 to be on it right now so I don't ruin the holiday. So what I do is I just uh, I get in the car and start heading to O'Hare. Call my brother, who was supposed to pick me up like an hour from when I left down in Dallas. And I told him, hey, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and then the next number I call <laughs> is uh, uh, American Airlines, which I'm fine giving a shout out to on this podcast because they hooked it up. Dude, yeah, nice. nice. The official airline of Three Dogs North. <laughs> Amen, dude. They hooked hey, it hey. up big time. That's yeah. so good to hear. So I I get on the horn, and this time it's not an operator. Somehow it's like one of these automated things where it's just fa too fancy for its own good. It's like, briefly describe the nature of your problem. <laughs> and I just go, I missed my flight. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh Somehow that gets that gets me on the horn with this person. I thought it for sure would lead me through a you know a series of tubes, but uh, went right to a live human being who I told the same exact thing. I just missed my flight, and she said, "What's your record locator?" And I said, <laughs> "Doofus says what?" Uh, and she's like, "Your record locator. It should be on your boarding pass or whatever your itinerary." So luckily, the night before, when I was still sort of like um, feeling okay about myself <laughs> until because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting stuff ready, I'm being real responsible, I had printed out the boarding pass. I checked into my flight online and I printed out the boarding pass and there it was folded up sitting next to me on the passenger seat. So I'm on the highway and I pick it up and there in the top right corner is a 
the words record locator and it has this six digit alphanumeric i read it to her and she's like oh okay well um pulls up my name and your your first name just for your you know make sure that you're not lying or something i said it's connor okay great well there's a 905 do you want to get on that one i'm like are you serious? And she's like, well, it's a hundred dollars plus $25 plus $50 plus a thousand dollars. And you know, all the different ways that they nickel and dime you. But I was like, yes, yes. And I, and she said, well, where are you? And I said, I'm on the way. And I think maybe nine is pushing it just a little bit, you know, cause I'd probably get there. I needed to park the car and all this, all that jazz. So I said, is there a later one now? I feel like I'm really pushing my luck. And she says, yeah, there's a 1026. Do you want that one? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, actually, you know, I can do same day change and I'll waive this fee and blah, blah, blah. It cost me 75 bucks. And then she's like, wow. She goes, "Uh, you know, you have a credit card for this? And I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to read my credit card information while I'm driving, which I did. Don't tell the police. And uh, paid for this thing. And immediately the sense of it was like Jeremiah getting pulled out of the cistern, dude. You just think it's all over. And I was picturing 17 hours in a in a car by myself going to Dallas. Oh. And uh, it was just like this miracle. And the other thing, I told this story last night in a homily. I went over to do a, a novena mass for the Mac conception. And the, the first reading yesterday was from Isaiah where it says, A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. And I'd just been talking to a good friend, Bobby Kruger, uh, I had lunch with him yesterday and he was reminding me of a Bible study we were both in. He's a priest now. We're both priests down here on the south side. But we were in a Bible study with Father Nick Blaha, who sent me that uh, thing in the mail. That he We did it like seven in the morning at the student union at Illinois. It was a bunch of college kids. It was like Blaha's idea of being disciplined dudes. So we were all bleary eyed. And anyway, long story short, Bobby said the, most- the only. What's that? That's the most focused thing I've ever heard. Oh, absolutely, dude. 7 a.m. Let's do the men's Bible study. Men's Bible study, student union. All right, we got to do this. Anyway, continue. I love it. (laughs) And so Bobby said the only thing you remembered from that Bible study was Nick talking about this passage from Isaiah about the shoot and how Nick was like ranting about you can't be any deader than a stump. Like if you look at a tree stump, do you ever expect something to just kind of pop out of the middle of that and start growing into a brand new tree. You know, it's not like a lizard's tail where you cut it off and it grows back. A tree stump is dead. And I was thinking like, you know, everybody's got some situation like the one I just described where you feel like you've completely effed it up and there's no way out. You just have to take your medicine. And then somehow the hand of God just swoops in and rescues you. Um, but that's the whole Christmas story, dude. The kingship of Israel was dead for you know 500 years from the babylonians to the persians and the greeks and the romans and a shoot shall sprout from the stump of jesse is the promise that god fulfills but like the the way that that i'll be honest my personal experience of that situation was not one of like oh lord i trust in your goodness that you will save me in this situation it was like i just need to do whatever i can to fix this you know it's totally self-dependent mode but then once I was saved, I was like, that had nothing to do with me. That was complete grace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that made it exciting. And then the rest of the weekend was great. Went Dude, that is, hitch. honestly, that's 
borderline miraculous <laughs> because it is the most it's the busiest travel day of the entire year i know dude and the fact that there were two options of flights <laughs> i could get on that morning yeah that is really crazy that is really crazy and another thing dude i'm gonna be honest that's one of those like before you just explain the shoot from the stump of jesse i had no clue what any of that meant and I don't know, it's just one of those Bible verses where I'm just like, huh, I hear this all the time and I have no clue what it means. So thank you for explaining that. You're welcome. It certainly, well, brought some meaning to it. That, you know. Yeppers. So you guys got a topic for today? <laughs> I, I like that story, dude. I was hoping more would come from that story. Well, you want to hear what the rest of what I said in that homily? Yeah, sure. Um... So the, the second reading, the gospel reading, was uh, Jesus and Luke saying, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have uh, hidden these things from the wise and learned, but revealed them to the childlike. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things I I think is behind that, especially for us who have like studied and have a podcast about God and, you know, fancy ourselves pretty wise and learned. You're like... What is he saying? Um, that that his stuff is pointless and we should just be like children. And I, I think that, to my mind, um, like I, I thought of this story from, we did our first reconciliations the other night uh, here at my parish. And there was one interaction that kind of stuck in my mind. And it's not from a confession itself. Uh, it's not material from the confession. So it's okay to talk about. But Basically, what happened was it was like a lot of people do when you have big groups of people going to confession, like an Advent penance service or something. You do the act of contrition all together, and that way you can skip it in the actual confession, which I'm not a huge fan of, honestly, because it kind of messes with the whole ritual of it. But um, in any case, that's what we did. And so at the end of each confession, I would say, you know, are you sorry for your sins? Yes. Um now I'm going to give you absolution. You know, it's this kind of clunky little ending to uh, the confession after you give him the penance. So anyway, I, deci I decided that after like 15, 20 kids, I'm like, they probably have heard the word absolution, but that word means nothing to them. So I'm, I changed it like in the middle of my line to, uh, are you sorry for your sins? Yes. I'm going to give you God's forgiveness now. Do you want that? And... They would mostly just kind of like stare at me like, look, you're in charge, like do whatever you're going to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, there was one little girl who, when I said that, I said, are you sorry for your sins? Yes. I'm going to give you God's forgiveness now. Would you like that? And she just said, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the only one that said, yes, please. And it just struck me as something <laughs> like... <laughs> I was praying about that it the next day. so cute, I, It was so cute, dude. And it kind of had a little lisp to it. It was like, yes, please. <laughs> and uh, it occurred to me, like, here she, I mean, absolution or God's forgiveness, whatever you want to call it, the gift is so profound. There's no way a seven-year-old has any idea what that means, you know. But what was important was that she wanted it. Yeah. And she asked nicely, yes, please, I would like that. And I think maybe that's what Jesus is getting at there. It's like the mysteries are too profound to understand anyway. Like 
the intimacy of God and how much he cares about us and how much he takes care of us. And, uh, you know, if you have a willing heart and open eyes, you can see God rescue you from your <laughs> stupidity all the time, myself included. Uh, you know, when you sleep through your flight and I was like, <laughs> when I got to Dallas, I was like, in my defense, I only overslept four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, man. but uh i think what what's important or what i've been thinking about is what's important is not so much understanding the gift but wanting it that's yeah. the difference between a child and an adult an adult's like ah i'm fine you know i'm pretty blessed i you know i'll take care of myself but a child is like oh wait you're giving out god's forgiveness whatever that means i want that you know mm-hmm. um, sure because when you look at it in reality uh like even the the wisest, smartest, you know, most profound doctors of the church, when it comes right down to it, don't understand the goodness of like the free gift that is God's mercy. And so at least the child is able to admit like, yeah, I, I have no real idea what this is. But in reality, like we, it's incomprehensible is the point. It's absolutely incomprehensible. Right. So the intellect the intellectual aspect of it, I'm not going to say it's totally unimportant, but to your point, like that's not what Jesus is driving at. Is it's not how well do you understand the goodness of God's gift of his mercy? Uh, because we, I mean, yeah, how the heck are we supposed to comprehend God's infinite love and mercy? Yeah. You know? I love that, that story, just thinking of that little girl sitting there saying yes, please, to God's <laughs> forgiveness. I, that's really powerful, and it resonated a couple of stories that have, I guess, just like entering into Advent and thinking about Christmas coming, and um, and we've talked about before how important it is just to ask God for what you want, you know, and like let Him purify your desires down to getting to what you really want, and then boldly, no matter how big it is, right, like sending a hurricane to the sea, just ask Him. Um, as simple as that, just say, yes, please, please send that hurricane to the sea or please, you know, heal this person or, um, whatever. But, uh, I think there's just in this Advent season, especially like, I feel a great call to simplicity and a couple of stories that have really resonated with me. This is a little stretch from what you were talking about, but just to throw them out there. Um, when was Mother Cabrini's feast day? That was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. but anyway, I was just, I was reading. She actually died in Chicago, which was very cool. But um, when, when she died, the story goes that she was making Christmas presents for, oh, right. for little ones. And yeah. I, I, it sounded like very simple, like just putting candy in like some stockings or something like that. But that just really stuck with me that she was making Christmas presents. And, um, I was actually, I, one of my favorite biographies of a saint is, um, one on St. Damien of Molokai. And oh, it yeah. said just the movie about uh, him is really good. Is it? Oh, I haven't seen it. I think I'll it's watch called it. Molokai. Um, okay. Okay. Is it like an Ignatius movie or is it a Hollywood? Yeah. Hollywood it's a little bit Ignatius. Okay. But it's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll check it out. But anyway, I found like a year ago, I found this biography of him for a dollar in the library and I just picked it up and honestly, huge, huge book for my spiritual life. But so he goes to he volunteers to go to this leper colony on the island of Molokai and he he pretty much built 
like a little civilization there. So they said in all of his free time, if he wasn't tending to the sick or burying the dead or whatever, he would be building things. And as so they had built a church, they built like huts and buildings and just like cleaned up, got them clean water just so they could have some like a, a shred of dignity there. But one of the lines that really I was just reading this the other day again the lines that really stuck out to me is in as he got to know the community better and he and as he got to know the kids there in his free time, like the little free time he had, he would constantly be making little toys for the kids. So like any scrap wood he had from the huts or the hospital or whatever, he would constantly be putting together toys for for the kids. And hmm. I don't know. I, I got some stuff to unpack there, I think, in my own prayer of just like how profound that is the simplicity of like saint damien and uh you know saint mother cabrini that um there's like making very simple gifts or christmas gifts or whatever for for kids and there's just like a delight in that um in that story for me and i kind of picture them having delight in it as well of like being able to give for saint damien like you know probably a couple pieces of wood like strewn together as a doll or something like that but delight in giving that to a kid it's like how much how much more does that like delight god and that he can give us perfect gifts you know when we when we ask for him so the fact that god could actually say yes to that little girl when she says oh yes please for his mercy mm-hmm. um that's, that's cool but i think christmas like allows us to like enter into that in a profound way of like you get to participate in god's joy in a sense so i don't know if that makes sense but yeah and and also i think you can even point to like not that god has free time but maybe when we're not always willing to accept the gifts that god has like he's always making he always has little gifts ready for you Mm -hmm. and and you just need to we just need to accept them you know but the fact that god is always laboring to give you that gift the gift of his love just perpetually but you know, it, and I, I've actually kind of been wanting to bring it up on the podcast for a little while, so I'm, I'm glad that this is kind of tending towards that. But just the, the notion of, like, taking delight in the smaller, simpler things um, has certainly been something that I, I, it resonates with me. And, um, I, you know, I, I guess I want to be more simple. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I'm, I live simply, and in other ways, it's way more complicated than it needs to be, like probably most people. Um, but I had an interaction in prayer not too long ago where I just was given this great delight and joy looking forward to my ordination, which I told you about Mm -hmm. a while back. And it was just thinking about not like a party or even the mass or anything like that, but just all of my friends up here, um, coming down and meeting my family and just meeting all of my friends and meeting the people that I grew up with. And just having all of them delight in the other and kind of celebrate in the relationships that have been formed throughout my time in seminary um, and kind of experiencing the goodness of each other, which is very, very simple. It's just interactions with with each other. And it also made me think of Sister Alicia, uh, who's one of the sisters down at the Franciscans, um, which is a little community down in Chicago, was on the show Chopped. And we all got together up here at the seminary and watched it. Did you see that, Father Connor? Did you see it live? Dude, not to boast, but I watched it with them oh, you at watched the convent. It with them, dude. And on okay. top of that, <laughs> sister found out, you know, about my mom's surgery and everything. And yeah. uh, her and sister Kate 
both came over to my parents' house on Sunday and cooked a big meal for us. Whoa. And then Sister Kate and I played music and Sister Alicia sang. Dude, like, that rock. songs. It was so money. That is money, dude. Talk about taking delight in the little things. That was just... Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is exactly it. We all got together and as just as a seminary community, and there's probably 40 of us or so, and we sat around and watched an hour of Chopped, this Food Network television show, and it was insanely fun to watch <laughs> Sister Alicia like do her thing, which has been raised up to the public from a life of simplicity that she lives down there at the Franciscans, for the world to see, and all of us dudes just sat around and watched this TV show, and we're going nuts yeah, we over were. her great success. Absolutely, I mean, it was the most delightful, mm-hmm. like, fun time that I had probably I've had this semester. Was just hanging out with everyone and watching Sister have this great time. So it was. I, I guess it was both of those things kind of coming together and realizing, like, man, where, where is. The simplicity that I find peace and like just a perpetual, a perpetual goodness. And both of the things that struck me was a, a kind of delight in the simplicity of the other, a delight in the simplicity of the relationship that has been totally given to me by God. It's absolutely a free gift. Um, but it wasn't, you know, and not to bash on materialism. That's not my intent. Uh, but it wasn't you know, a phone or a computer or whatever. It was just being with my brothers here at the seminary and watching our sister and then wanting all of my brothers and sisters to meet and just kind of enjoy each other. Um, and yeah, to- man, it's like the whole saved in community. Also rejoicing with others' joy and being sad at others' sorrow, that thing that binds us all together. I, I was just preaching about that this morning too at the gospel where the great crowd is around Jesus. He's sitting on the hill in Galilee and everybody's bringing their people up one by one, the deaf, the mute, the blind, the lame. And I was picturing as I was praying about it this morning, waiting in line, which is something I hate to do. And I really hate traffic and I hate basically any situation where there's a bunch of people who all want the same thing or want to use the same road. And there's just too many and everybody's in each other's way. And, uh, but I was picturing myself in the in the line to get to Jesus because you want something from him. And seeing all these other people getting blessed, you know, like it says in the gospel, everybody was amazed at all the mute people speaking and seeing the blind people see and all this stuff. And it reminded me of a story a priest told to me years ago. Uh, this priest who was a mentor of mine, I really look up to. But before he entered seminary, he had tried to be like a Shakespearean actor in Chicago from a small town in Ohio and was living in kind of a more rundown neighborhood in the city, but that was becoming gentrified and he didn't have any money. He was, you know, a struggling artist and the neighborhood was being gentrified. And so all these condominium buildings were going up and fancy stuff. And it kind of meant that the neighborhood was changing and the rent was going to be higher. And a lot of people were going to get pushed out. And he saw this, uh, lady in the street, longtime resident, um, simple like widow lady who carried all her stuff with her and and she looks up at this big condo building and she says praise god 
And he kind of took issue with her. He'd seen her a bunch in the street. So he says to her, don't you know that that means that all of us are going to get pushed out of here and that you're going to be moved out of your home? And, and she says, that's okay. Because God's still in the blessing business and I might be next. Mm. Like to her, that, that big, beautiful building with big, expensive condos in it meant that other people were being blessed somehow and that she might be next. And that is such a Christian attitude, you know, like we're all kind of waiting for our own share of this pie. But if you're just open to what God's doing in other people's lives, you're not as impatient or you're, you're a little bit more at peace with what God is doing. And you even, to some extent, see more clearly the blessings that you have in your own life. And that's what the holiday of Thanksgiving is all about and all this stuff watching other people. And you were talking about the, the toys, Rob. It reminded yeah. me of a, do you guys listen to This American Life ever? No. I, I listened to the podcast of it, oh. but there was one last week that. That's the number one podcast right now, isn't it? I'm it yeah, sure. it kind of goes between that and some other stuff. They're all NPR. We're coming for you. Yeah, Yuck. that's right. Dude, check the uh, philosophy charts on iTunes and we are in the top 200. Nice. Isn't that crazy? I don't know how to do that, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't yeah. figured out how to do that, yeah. by the way, Paul. If we get more reviews, hint, hint, we could probably move up in the charts. But, um, Are you saying I should write more reviews? <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was breaking the third wall there. I wasn't talking to you. You know who you are, listeners. Um, but this American Life Story last week crushed me. It was about um, regrets. And it, there was a story of this one guy who was part of a kind of Mormon sect, one of the fundamentalist Mormon sects out in Utah. And, uh, you know, like a lot of those um, churches have like one charismatic leader who sort of makes all the rules and everybody unquestioningly follows him. And uh, he got in a situation where they were doing some dumb stuff and, you know, it's really kind of sexist and they were, you know, they said that you don't need to tell your wives what you're up to and blah, blah, blah. And this is secret business for the boss, the the pastor. And woman doesn't deserve to know everything her husband's doing. And so he was just kind of, un, he was a good guy, the the main protagonist of the story. But um, he bought into this whole thing and his wife ended up just getting sick of it and leaving the church and leaving the family and moving to New York or something. And then he was stuck alone with these kids. And the pastor kind of got more and more weird and... Um, you know, it's all this fire and brimstone. Like if you have any fun, that means you're a sinner. And so one of the things they said was that none of the children in this community were allowed to have toys and that playing was wicked and that kids need to be working and praying and nothing else. And he decided like he was in such a crisis that um, the only thing that he had left in his life were his kids. And he he couldn't do this, but I mean, it was everything he'd ever known. He'd grown up in this church. I mean, he was going to leave his whole support system if he left this place, but he ended up doing it. He asked his kids like, Hey, how do you guys feel about starting a brand new life? And the kids were like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like that little girl. And so he, he moves to Texas and like the first day they get there, he takes them all to the movies and they'd never seen a movie ever in their life. And they're like, oldest one's like 12 years old. And you know, they range in age from like four to 12. So he takes them to Despicable Me in 3D. Holy smokes. And he said uh, he didn't watch any of the movie. He just watched them watching the movie. And the looks wow. on their faces were so uh, just sublime. 
in taking delight in what was going on in front of the screen. Every time something looked like it was coming at them, they would like jump and scream and cause it was in 3d. And, um, anyway, the story kind of has a sad ending cause he, he loses it, man. Like he's totally at sea has kind of a nervous breakdown, but, uh, yeah, that first of all, um, the love for his children being, uh, so profound that he was willing to kind of like uproot his whole life and even belief system to protect them. Uh, and I mean, there was so much going on in there, like the religion gone bad and just like anti-human, um, religious leaders and, and all that stuff, but that there was some goodness left in him that was just unextinguishable that said, this is not right. Like my, my heart can't deal with this. Kids need to play. They need toys. And that's what ended up getting him to do it. And then to have that scene in the movie theater, him watching his children delight. I mean, that's God the Father right there. Um, yeah. Well, it's just the, it's the whole point. Like real, real Catholic thought, real Catholic worship is real human thought and real human worship, you know? And it's going back even to the, the Mother Cabrini thing. It's like she died a saintly death. She's a canonized saint of the Catholic Church. And she died putting together like little <laughs> Christmas presents for little kids, you know, and she wasn't writing, um, you know, deep theological works or like evangelizing a whole culture. She was just putting together Christmas gifts, man. It's just like that dad delighting in the joy of his kids um, in this small kind of ordinary scene. Obviously, that situation made it extraordinary, but um, but that's God the Father with us is just delighting in what we delight in. He mm-hmm. wants to love us how we like to be loved. Um, and yeah, anyway, we gotta, we gotta go to formation here. All right, dudes. Well, I'm glad we got it working. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Hey, way to go, dude. Yeah. Push awesome. buttons earlier. Yeah, yeah, pray for no. my mom, please. Yeah, no, we will. Let us know. Let us know tomorrow. Like whenever, whenever she's out and stuff. Sure. And maybe one of you guys could send an email out. Cause I know, I know somebody somehow got the uh, prayer request chain going. So, Maybe yep. you could send an update to the seminary. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, we'll do. Okay, okay thanks, guys. See ya. All right, All right bye. Peace. Are we ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisque, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And fear down.